because a business is no longer what it tells customers it is. A business is what customers tell other customers it is. And I can, I can tell everyone that I have the best hamburger in town, but Yelp wins. And I can spend a lot of money talking about my hamburger, but if I'm not delivering on that and I'm not having a positive difference in delivering what I'm saying, then the customers will tell the customers what, what it is. You're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. It's Monday, and in these episodes, you'll hear Sangram interview incredible practitioners, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs within our community. And like Sangram always says, without a community, you are simply a commodity. Here we go. Sangram here. Welcome to another episode of the Flip My Funnel podcast. I am so pumped. So, man, obviously I've interviewed a ton of different authors, but first of all, this whole book around know what you're for, I actually have it in my hand right now. It's like really, really good. I'm about to make do a full summary and send it to my team because I think there are a lot of people who are going out there and talking about what they're not for or just are um, in their own way and, and not fully clearly and clearly sharing what they stand for. And I think that's hurting them. Uh, they're hurting their businesses. They're hurting their, uh, their families in, in many different ways. And we all sometimes just stand by and just critique on these things. And we feel like that's our job. But this book talks about stories after stories, personal, professional stories. And we'll share, talk about some of them uh, in, in this. And I'm really stoked about this. So we're going to talk about Know What You're For. And the author of this book is no other than my good friend, Jeff Henderson, who has, has three decades of working experience at Chick-fil-A, Atlanta Braves, Go Braves, being in Atlanta, and North Point Ministry. So, Jeff, welcome to the show, man. Sangram, good to see you, buddy. It's been a while since I've, we had lunch together, so it's great. I'm just a big fan of yours. And thanks for having me on the podcast. Fantastic, man. I'm loving it. And as I was showing you, right, I have like a bunch of notes on it and in the book. And I just wanted to go back to one of the stories you shared in the book was the early days of you sitting with a bunch of people at in Gwinnett Church, kind of, and you said like, it's like a startup, right? right? Can you take us back to that day and that story that I think almost feels like that's the genesis of this book? It, it really is. And one of the questions I've been asked is, you know, I've spent a number of years in the business world and not a lot of the year, and also a lot of years in the nonprofit world. And people ask me saying, tell me the difference. And I said, you know, there are really actually more similarities because you know what's, ha- what, what's on both sides? People. <laughs> and, <laughs> And they have the same issues really on both sides. So there's really more similarities. So we really began with, I guess you could ask two marketing questions, but th- these are the questions that really drive the book. That is, what, what, do we, what do we want to be known for? And what are we known for? And in the early days, you know, you're not known for anything because you're not existing, but you have to dream. And, and I love the early days of, of any, and you know, you've done amazing things. You know, the early, those early days of, of startups. And I think organizations get in trouble when they lose those, you know, what could be kind of moments. And, um, you know, not to get too churchy on you, but we discovered, you know, when it comes to those two questions, many people are more familiar with what the church is against rather than what the church is for. Well, we want to be known for what we're for. And we're we're for our community. We're for the people that live here. We want to be a value add. And what I've discovered is that's not just true for the nonprofit world. It's really, and I love where the, the, the business world is going now. I really do think that doing good is good for business. That thriving, thriving organizations understand that that 
purpose fuels profit and profit fuels purpose. And you don't have to have those two mutual, mutually exclusive. In fact, I, I, it's interesting to me, you have the for-profit world over here. We're for-profit, right? And we have the not-for-profit world over here, right? <laughs> and it, you could say purpose. So it's like we got profit over here and we got purpose over here. But what I love, and, and you're a fantastic example of this, you can have both. And in fact, not only can you have both, where I think research is showing us, especially with millennials and Gen Z, they're demanding it. And so that's, I think that's why this is so important. We're not talking about having a business that's not trying to make money. And we're talking about having a business and having a profit and purpose all at the same time. Absolutely. And I jumped the gun because I typically would ask, like, you know, share a fun fact about yourself. <laughs> I got so excited. I'm like, just jump into it. So right. let's back up for a second. Let's get into the fun fact. And then I want to really dive into this difference between the in and the for, because those two words is pretty much your book. So right. fun fact about yourself. I played college basketball for a, a school probably no one's ever heard of, Truett McConnell Junior College in Cleveland, Georgia. And so I, I grew up wanting to play in the NBA, specifically for the Atlanta Hawks, and lead them to their first NBA championship. That's Sangram, cool. they, they never drafted me, okay? <laughs> and I will say they still have yet to win their first NBA championship. <laughs> I think those two connect together. So – but yeah, those were many, many years ago, but I, that's where I thought I was heading first, a, a, a NBA career. Yeah. Oh man, that's pretty cool. So you keep track of like where they're playing, what their scores are more than Atlanta, like any other team out there, just to know. Yeah. So I have a couple of friends in their marketing department and they're coming to speak like you are, you're going to come speak to our staff uh, next year. And I keep telling them, Hey, I know I'm in my fifties, but I can still, still shoot. So anyway, they still have yet to draft me. But anyway, that little fun fact there for you. That is, that is awesome. All right, you have this, and I, I, I shared this on LinkedIn a couple of days ago uh, when I was reading this, and you have it in the back of the book, you have it you know, in the middle a few times, and I think it's, to me, this is the book, that unprecedented growth is no longer about being the best company in the world, but about being the best company for the world. And you know, when I read it, I'm like, yeah, just, just just to play on words, right? Like in and for, I mean, that's cute. And like, you know, I'm a marketer, I get it. But then the more I spend time thinking about it, and then as I read your book and I talked, uh, I read through the example and stories of Zappos, as you shared, or Patagonia, as you shared, and so many other examples, Chick-fil-A story that you shared, like I'm like, oh my goodness, it's literally happening right in front of us that these companies who stood, who are standing for something are more profitable, are seeing more success, and those stories are resonating through all the cultures and crosses pretty much every single generation. So can you kind of speak some light into this, this idea, the in versus for, and maybe give some examples for it? Absolutely. What well, really goes to the, the and, and you know this, but the, the greatest form of advertising still is positive word of mouth advertising because a business is no longer what it tells customers it is. A business is what customers tell other customers it is. And I can, I can tell everyone that I have the best hamburger in town, but Yelp wins. And I can spend a lot of money talking about my hamburger, but if I'm not delivering on that and I'm not having a positive difference in delivering what I'm saying, then the customers will tell the customers what, what it is. So you have to genuinely be for people. You have to genuinely be for the customer. And part of what I discovered, and this is rampant in church world, but sometimes we're too busy talking about ourselves that we don't dialogue with our customers. 
And, and I, I see this, to give you a specific example, I see this in social media, and I have the opportunity and the privilege to consult with a lot of major brands. And one of the things I point out consistently with them, Sangram, is that they're not doing social media. They're doing digital media because they've forgotten the social in the social media. And what they're doing is they're saying, look how great we are, and look, we're better than our competitors. Look at this, look at that. And if you go to their Instagram page, and we actually do this, we count the last 10 posts. And I'll say, how many are about you? And how many are about the customer or the people that you're trying to reach? And have you gone onto their platform and communicated with them there? Because that's the power of social media. So when I say it's not enough about, it's no longer about being the best company in the world. Being the best company in the world is talking about yourself. And I'm not, I'm not saying we shouldn't talk about our products. I'm not saying we shouldn't do any of that. I'm just saying there needs to be a better balance. So maybe, maybe a, a clear picture visual is I think kind of old school marketing was if you could take a football example, the, the business is on the field and the customers are in the stands, the raving fans, and we're cheering the business on to score a touchdown, right? I think talks about talking about flip my funnel. I think we need to flip the script and put the customer on the field and the business and organization in the stands. And we're cheering the customer on and going, Hey, look, if our business can help make you score a touchdown or win in the game of life or whatever, then that's great for us because we're not the hero in the story you are. And so when we talk about being the best company for the world, we have to shift the spotlight from our company to the competitor, to the customers. And when I talk to, you know, business leaders and nonprofit leaders about this, they say, Oh, we already do that, Jeff. And I'll say, well, I can actually show you that you're not. Yeah. <laughs> I can go to your, you know, your Facebook page, your Instagram page and tell you and show you that you're not doing this. And, and I'm not trying to be critical. I'm just saying it, it sounds so easy. It sounds so simple, but when you dive into our marketing strategies, the spotlight is clearly on the business. And that's not where marketing research is, is telling us where this thing is going. And so one of the reasons I wanted to write the book is to help people get a head start to know where the game is going. Because as I mentioned earlier, and this is research, which is in the book, as you know, the younger you go when you start talking about brands and businesses and, and organizations, the more they're demanding this kind of approach. Yeah, I, I agree thousand percent. It's, it's interesting. We started about last year, December, we started this program. We call it like customer in the office program. Mm. And we literally bring in a customer and I call it like customer in flesh um, because I think we Love are, it. you know, the videos and stuff, it's all, all great. Like I want a customer to come in the office every six to eight weeks. And we've consistently started to do that uh, since last year and a half. And I want not just the customer facing people like marketing, sales and customer success, but the operations person who's in the billing department or the engineer who just wrote that quote, uh, code, a piece of code to recognize that who our customer is, what are they saying, what matters to them, how do they look, talk. And, and we literally do an all hands Q&A with them where they get to share like, hey, I cannot, I'll ask questions like, what is the one thing you can't live without? And they might say, oh, I can live without this and this feature. And the whole engineering team goes like crazy and they talk about <laughs> it for months, uh, you know, or they would say that, hey, you know, this helped me get promoted in my company. And then now we're all cheering for that person. So I feel like even that one small thing is like, hey, we're not just going to create customer case study videos because everybody knows they're kind of made up. We're going to bring a customer in the office and we're just going to have a conversation with them. I tell you, Jeff, like that has been one of the best things that we've been able to do in the last one year. So I love this analogy. I never thought about it as like putting the customer in the field 
and let us be the audience. I, I love that as part of the story. See, you should have written this book, not me, Sanger, because that's, that's brilliant. And I'll give you, a, I'll give you an idea from, from my former life as Chick, in Chick-fil-A marketing. We would actually ask customers, could we go home with you, which is a really odd question, I know. But we would want to go home and just let them see how they put the bag in the car. Right. Once, they, once they got home, how they take the wrapping and the, the, the product out, how, how they do all that. Yeah. And it just allowed us to see a real life demonstration of how a customer actually interacts with our product versus assuming how they interact with, with our product. And again, that's shifting the spotlight on, can we learn from you versus kind of uh, yelling at them about, look how best, how, how much better we are than our competitors. And uh, I, I really feel like we need to stop talking at our customers and start talking with our customers. And that's exactly what you did is brought them in and said, Hey, can we learn from you? which is incredibly insightful and incredibly in, invaluable. Yeah, it's, it's like power. One of the most powerful things that I think we did in the last two years is having them in place. There's, there's another story in the book where you talk about delivering wow. You took that as an example from another company, but I think you're also applying it as part of your own organization right now. Could you share a little bit about like, what does delivering wow mean to you? And I think you have this context uh, around you don't, you don't have to not deliver it to, because you can deliver it to everybody, you know, you, you don't have to go and be status quo and not deliver it at all, which is what I feel like I myself and many others fall prey to. Can you, can you share a little bit about what do you mean by wow as an example? And then how do you apply that in your organization or how you have seen it in other organizations? Absolutely. Well, I think customer service is critical in it. And one of my heroes in customer service is Horst Schultze, uh, the former founder and CEO of the Rich Carlton. Have you ever had Horst on the podcast? No. You need to, because he's amazing. Right. So, well, make, can you make an intro? I'll make, that, I'll, I'll make that intro. We can make oh, that happen. All right. And one time he was having a conversation with me, and he said, well, Jeff, I appreciate you wanting to study the Rich Carlton, but you know, the, the leader of the church, being Jesus, was the greatest servant leader of all time. You should actually be leading the way, not the Rich Carlton. I've never forgotten that, Sanger. And, and whatever people made to believe about church, just as somebody that works in the church, I thought, you know, we should be leading the way in terms of customer service. And so in terms of delivering wow, um, our approach is to be on high alert. So if somebody is coughing, you know, during one of our experiences here at the church, we want to be on high alert to deliver them water. If they're looking for something, we don't point, we walk them. If it looks like someone's having a bad day, we'll go to our resources center and buy them something. Um, um, we, we have, we, we tell our guest services teams, you, are, you have the ability to go up and pay for whatever and we will reimburse you because in essence, what we want to do is have, the, have our guests go, wow. I'll give you an example that happened. I put this in the book. One of our parking teams noticed that there was a flat, a, a tire was pretty low. So they went out, pumped up the tire and then put a note on the window and said, hey, we noticed that your left front tire was a little low. It may have a nail in it. We couldn't see, but we went ahead and pumped it up. But we would highly encourage you to go get it checked out today. Well, this, this lady, actually, the way I heard about it, she posted on Instagram and the hashtag that we follow. And that's, that's a deliver wow moment. Wow. Now, the, the, the challenge for, for you and for anyone that's dealing with a lot of folks like you and me and, and, and your listeners is that it's easy to talk yourself out of that because you can't do that for every car. But our mutual friend, Andy Stanley, I love this principle that is a great guest services principle. And he says, do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. Because what we do is, since it's not scalable, since you can't go check every tire in the parking lot, then you don't check any tires in the parking lot. And you're looking for that one wow. And here's what happens in that moment, Sangram. 
when they delivered wow and she saw that and then went wow i'm going to post this and share this with everyone that follows me that this is why i love my church it got bigger than just one person she spread it to her whole social media influence that's why when we say deliver wow to one person that's your goal but it's actually going to go deeper than that they're going to tell somebody about that so for our guest services teams we have several hundred that serve on these teams we just say hey here's your goal for the day you just have to deliver well to one person mm. but if we deliver well to one person collectively that's a lot of people who've been wowed by our service and so that's what our tangible goal is every sunday is i want to walk away knowing that i wowed one person with going the extra mile um, we actually have these little wagons that we wheel kids in and once they come in, they're, al they're already getting a wagon ride to church. <laughs> and our insurance department doesn't love it because there's no barriers on the wagons, but no one's fallen out yet. So, but that's a wow. And you see families kind of carrying, you know, they're, they've got their phones and they're posting on Facebook. That's a wow already before they've gotten into the building. But all of those are systems that you have to think through. And that's one of the things we learned from Rich Carlton and, and I learned from Chick-fil-A is what are some systems that you can put in place that can allow those moments, those wow moments to happen. I love that. All right, here's another one that I think is, is a really big idea. Um, and it's around, and I, I, it took me a minute to, to, to recognize the interesting part in it and to see that, oh my goodness, this is really good, which is small is the new big, right? And, and, right. and delivering wow is kind of part of that where you're doing it one person at a time. But and I, and I feel and I feel like as a company, we we start to look at like well we're scaling now we're about two hundred people uh, here in Atlanta and San Francisco we're starting to look at people and process and like seven levels of communication and all these different things that come with that level of thing and you start thinking like oh we should be we're doing big things now and we forget doing small things we forget doing things that actually mattered and one of the other principles you had about is like don't forget the main thing that you stand for, you're good at. I love those things. Could you share uh, maybe an example around like small is the new big? Mm -hmm. And I really do believe it's about growing, but it's about growing a small organization. What I mean by that is we want to grow. We want to grow and serve more customers. We want to grow the bottom line. We want to grow and that. So I'm not saying that growth isn't important, but I'm saying I think there's a different way to, to do that. And I think we can still harness the value of that small, those small days, those small wonderful days, but still, have a bigger scale. If I can give you an idea from church world, hmm. here's what you would hear in church world. So in the early days, I, I've started lead pastor at Buckhead Church and Gwinnett Church. And so the early days, there were just a few people there. And then when we started to grow, here's what I would hear. Oh, remember the good old days when it was just us. Remember the good old days when it was before it got just way too big. And, and you know, I, and I understand what they were saying, but, you know, I'm like, I know. Why are we serving all these people? Can they just go away? You know? <laughs> And, and it's like growth is the, is the issue. I said, that, that's not the issue. The issue is, is that we can still be a small, nimble organization. We just have to practice those things that were still there. So, for example, it was easy for me in those days to say thank you to everybody because everybody was in the room, right? But now that we built this big old building, it's hard for me to say thank you to everybody. So what I have to do is I have to have a system that allows me to still say, do those small but meaningful things. So what does that look like? Well, for me, it looks like writing handwritten thank you notes. So I write three thank you notes a day. And, but you've got to have a system. And what I mean by that is 
every Sunday, I have to send out a group me message on our staff to say, hey, were there any stories today that happened that, that you could tell me so that that would allow me um, to write a thank you note? And, and then I've got to have note cards in my, my bag and my car so that if I have a moment, I'm able to write some notes. I have to have a system that allows me to do that. But I can't tell you, Sangram, how many times people have come up to me and said, I have your note on my refrigerator at home or on my cubicle at office. I don't throw thank you notes away. And so in terms of growing small, it's what are those small touch points that you can do that you could do in the early days but you talk yourself out of in the bigger days. And I give Frank Blake as an example in the book, the former CEO of Home Depot, that he would write 100 thank you notes a week. And if you were to ask Frank, what was the turnaround? Because he really was a, tur- he was a turnaround agent when he came into Home Depot. They had fired the former, president, former CEO. Frank would say, I think it was the fact that I wrote 100 thank you notes a week to the Home Depot associates. Oh, you know, my goodness. That's crazy. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? I mean, and so, I mean, here I am. I'm writing three a day. I think I'm big time. He's writing 100 a week, right? And, and you could think, hey, Frank, don't you have better things to do? No, culture is it. Culture eats strategy for breakfast, as Peter Drucker would say. So that, that's a great example of a, here's a multi-billion dollar organization. And on Sunday afternoon, here's the CEO writing handwritten thank you notes. That's okay. growing small, growing, still growing, but growing small. Yeah. I mean, in, in many ways, I think as you had in the book, uh, another quote that I literally, I saw, there are certain things that I would write in the front and this is going to look like really a lot of different things, but these are quotes that I feel are lifetime quotes. And I think one of the things that you have in the book that I'm putting, I'm putting in there now is that purpose is a daily event. And I did not really like think about that a whole lot and like, yeah, you know, there's a big purpose, there's a big vision, there's there we were going and we talk about it in this offsites, we talk about it in this big meetings, we talk about this in the board conversations, but no, it's a daily pursuit and as simple as a thank you note that will probably in some way, shape or form is gonna talk about or at least hint towards or point towards this greater purpose that you have for your organization of maybe delivering wow for you right now or standing for something in your organization, or in, in uh, Frank, um, you know, his case of like, whatever it might be, like we're about to turn around and you're a big part of this turnaround in the organization. I think you're constantly getting people to be behind this vision and purpose that you have. So when you wrote that in the book, that purpose is a daily event, I think there cannot be a much more important thing for a leader in an organization to focus on is the purpose and that drives it. And I think as leaders, since we're around this all the time, we think, hasn't everyone already heard this? And, and we talk ourselves out of saying it over, but one of the best principles of leadership is leaders are repeaters. You have to say it over and over and over again, because vision rarely repeated is quickly forgotten. And you, you, you can't say it enough. I, I remember at Chick-fil-A, I, one of the things I did, I, I represented the Atlanta market on behalf of the corporation. And this was when the cow campaign had been around, Eat More Chicken Cow campaign, which is now in the Advertising Hall of Fame, which is a very you know, breakthrough advertising campaign. But the Atlanta operators were saying, hey, how much longer are we going to do this? Because everybody's heard this. And I thought, you know what? That's good feedback. So let's do some research. And we discovered that in Atlanta, 10 years, breakthrough advertising Hall of Fame in Atlanta, the hometown of Chick-fil-A was only barely starting to register a little bit in the minds of the consumer. Because as you well know, Sangram, there's so many messages that are coming. 
but because we're in that all the time. And in that world, we were seeing cows and eat more chicken all the time. We were thinking, hasn't everyone already heard this? Yes. So you've got to say it over and over. And yes, you should say it in different ways and it should be creative and don't get boring and redundant, but don't talk yourself into thinking, hasn't everyone already heard this? And for us at our church, for Gwinnett, that's something that I've got to stay uh, on repeatedly. And so one of the questions that we ask, it's in the book, this is, we took a little bit of a different slant on this, but David Salyers, my boss at Chick-fil-A, would ask Chick-fil-A operators, what have you done today to build your business? Mm. Not tomorrow, not next week, not last quarter. What did you do today to build your business? And building your business is a daily effort. And so I kind of shifted that a little bit to say, what did you do to cast vision for our church today? And so you got to just stay on message. It's not enough to start with why. You have to stay with why. Love it. Love it. Love it. All right. So I got like a bunch of notes. So I'm going to, I'm going to share maybe two or three big takeaways and we'll have other things. We'll do a blog and all that stuff. So we'll share that out later on. Thank you. Um, and, and then, you know, love for you um, after these a couple of big takeaways, Jeff, for to share a challenge that leaders listening to this podcast can say, okay, I'm for this. I get it. I'm, uh, what do I need to do? Like one thing they can do. Right. So, so keep thinking about that. So first big idea, I wrote this, this thing down as I was reading through the book over and over again, is figure out what you are for. I mean, it is, it is like straight up from the book, the cover of the book, but wow, that is a really big idea because a lot of times we can, if you go and look at all of your competitors' website today, and if they all look the same, you, you know that you're all copying each other and nobody's standing for anything. Now you have an opportunity to stand out if that's what you want to do, you need to stand for something. And, and you know, B2C examples like Patagonia, Zappos is there. But there are so much B2B examples like Salesforce and HubSpot. Yeah. Uh, and hopefully we uh, at Terminus, we try to try to stand for, for something. The other big idea, which, which, which I just shared as like something that I'm writing in my Hall of Fame big quotes is purpose is a daily event which means you have to be purposeful. You have to like, I'll, like maybe you're like me who likes to journal every day or, or at least four or five days a week. Uh, that would be a good week for me. Right. I have to remind myself sometimes, well, what, what is my purpose? Am I on purpose uh, sometimes? And, and I'm many times like squirrel, squirrel, and I need to get back <laughs> to this. So it, it's a good, good quote to keep in mind is like, is, are you on purpose today? The other one, the quote that you shared from Andy, which is, do for one uh, what you wish you would do for everyone. I think that's a big idea in itself, which is in the book and you shared as well, because don't try just because you can't scale it, which is the big word in SaaS and business. Well, hey, we can right. scale it to everybody. Right. Well, that's what is like why nobody would ever know you or, or understand who you are. Do for a few. That's okay. That's how Beyonce does that for her fans. She doesn't go ahead and do for everybody, right? It's a great example. Yes, she and Taylor Swift do this so well. Yeah, one person and they tell everybody like, hey, she came to our house and gave, she made a video for me and everybody goes great. Nobody's like, she didn't do for me. Like nobody does that. Right, and I think what it also does for Beyonce and Taylor, it's kind of what you did when you brought your customers in. It personalizes the business for them. Like, okay, these are, you know, when you see thousands out, in the crowd, and now it's one person. It does something for their heart as well to keep them connected to their listeners. Yeah, they, they become true ambassadors and evangelists, yeah. and you never have to ask them for things. They would jump in. I've seen them jump on like LinkedIn sometimes and talk about without us ever asking. Yeah, it's awesome. 
then one of the things, uh, there are, again, so many ideas, I'm going to put it in the blog in there, is that this part of, which is something I'm personally taking home from here, is leaders are repeaters. Leaders are repeaters. Like, I think I find myself so many times trying to figure out, okay, that worked. So let's just try something else as if I need more work to do, <laughs> but we all get, get into this motion of let me try something new because that right. quickly be fading away. But no, we have to repeat ourselves in order for that purpose, that message to stick. So I, I love, like I said, so many amazing ideas, delivering value and a lot of those things. So Jeff, what is the one challenge you want to give to everybody listening to this episode? Sangram, I would ask them to do a vision inventory. And what I mean by that is simply walk around the office or however this works for your, your organization and ask, hey, what do you think we're known for? And what are we known for? I just, and then I would listen and I would just take notes. And don't push back, don't correct, but just begin to take notes. And if you see some consistency, uh, some consistent answers to those questions, that's awesome. That's great. Keep on it. If you see some blank stares, if you see some different answers, then there's confusion on the team. And if there's confusion in the office space, there will be confusion in the marketplace. No hands down about what, what is that unique niche that only you are bringing? What do we want to be known for? And what are we known for? So I think doing a vision inventory, you can do this obviously with research. Uh, we actually have research that's available in the book through, through the website. But you, I think you could just do this walking around and yeah. saying, hey, what do you think we're known for? And what, are, what do we want to be known for? And then that will give you a clue about the work that you have to do. That's awesome. All right. Of course, you can find the book on Amazon. Uh, and I know you have some study guide and examples on uh, jeffhenderson.com. Is there any other resource that you want to point us to? Well, yeah, there's some free resources on my website. One is the four presenter voices because what I'm trying, part of this is I want to help be for the reader. And leadership eventually comes with a microphone. And there's, I've coached leaders in terms of communicating for a number of years now. And I've discovered there's one of four voices. And so I, I've put together a test, a free test, so that you can determine what your voice is. And once you understand your voice, you can understand the strength and the weakness. By the way, I just, I don't know if I'm, I should say this or not, but Sangram is speaking at LeaderCast <laughs> in 2020. And that's phenomenal, speaking of speakers. So anyway, just give you a shout out. You can edit this out if you don't want to have that. <laughs> no, that's, that's great. That's phenomenal. And you may not think of yourself as a presenter, but I would just say, hey, if you're speaking, if you're in a meeting and the words are coming out of your mouth, congratulations, you're a speaker because leadership comes with a microphone. So there's those, I, those tests are just free, but I really, I want people to, to, to improve and, and, and for them to grow their businesses. And these two questions, I'll close with this. What, you, what do you want to be known for and what are you known for? That's not just great for businesses or organizations to ask. They're actually fantastic questions for you and for me to ask ourselves. Mm. What do you want to be known for as a human being? And then what are you known for? And that second question is only answered by the people in your life. In the reality, I'll just pick on me, there's a gap. So every day I get to shrink the gap between my vision of what I want to be and who I want to be and the people that are in my life. And that's... That's, that's why these two questions won't just grow your business. They'll grow you as well. I love it, man, which is, which is one of the reasons why we didn't even touch and get into a whole bunch of this, which is the book title, Know What You're For, A Growth Strategy for Work, and Even Better Strategy for Life. And uh, I couldn't agree uh, with this more. Great book again. I got it. Thanks, I'm, I'm digging in, making summaries out of it. Jeff, thank you so much for being in the show and sharing so much wisdom, man. Thanks, Hanger. Big fan of yours. 
You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.